Good morning to you. Thank you, Pastor Nicole, for the opportunity of, of being here with you today. Uh, you are already aware of this, I'm sure, but I just, have to, I just have to say this. You are blessed with this lady that you have elected as your pastor. We, we have an expression that has become our tagline through the last probably 12, 14 years uh, that I've been superintendent, that we're better together. Uh, Nicole Schreiber embodies the reality of that because it's not about the leader. It's about what God does to the people that the leader is leading. And the reality of her personality and her giftings is absolutely incredible. And I'm just excited for you as a church. I'm excited for Erie, Pennsylvania, and what God's going to do in the future. We're glad for what he's done in the past, but we never want to allow our memories of the past to be greater than our vision for the future. We want to see God do greater things and more things, grateful for what he's done in the past, but looking forward to what is yet in store for us. And uh, Nicole and Joel are just great people. We've known them through Chi Alpha for quite a while, and, and just their influence and their ministry, and you've made a great choice. So congratulations on your wisdom. Uh, I, I have had people through the years, I haven't had any of you to ask me this, just so that you guys don't, don't wonder, but uh, about female ministers, you know, the, the reality is that as Pentecostals, and that's what I'm going to be talking about today as being Pentecostal, but as Pentecostals, we've always seen the gift of the Spirit being predominant over the gender of the person or their station in life. Uh, scripture says that there is neither male nor female, slave or free, Jew or Greek. We are all one in Christ. So it's really about the giftings of the Holy Spirit that rather than any of those other issues that sometimes become predominant in people's the way that they think. But the reality of what the Spirit of God does within individuals' lives and, and the giftings that he places within each of us. And I, I use that term, us, as the corporate sense. Because by the time I'm done here today, I hope you come away from this place. If I've done my job very well at all, you'll have a greater sense that God wants to do something through you. And everybody said... Because the reality, as, as Pentecostals, again, we get caught up sometimes in the cultural motif of who's the star. You know, the, the, the person who has the limelight, the, you know, the, whether it's television or media or uh, uh, theater or whatever it may be. We, we look at the person who's out there in front. But in the body of Christ, it's different. And this is a real challenge for us to change our thinking, to be renewed in the spirit of our minds so we don't get caught up with the world's perception of things because for us, it's not about the pastor. It's not about the deacons or the elders. It's not about some superstar. It's all about Jesus. We've sung that a little bit, haven't we? Jesus, be the center of your church. Jesus, be the center of your church. That's the reality. So we want to glorify him. I was hoping that some of you would join with me in singing that, but it's, uh, you were so enthralled with my vocal skills, I know that you were just uh, amazed. Uh, and obviously, for those of you who think I'm kidding, I am kidding. But uh, anyway, love, love the worship, love the music, our expression, but it's, it's all about Jesus. As, as I share with you today, and this is, by the way, happy Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Amen. 
My, uh, my favorite holiday of the entire year is Easter. It's not Christmas, it's not Halloween, it's, it's Easter. Because without Easter, I mean obviously everything's connected to everything else, but without Easter we would just have a, a dead Messiah, you know. But with Easter, with uh, uh, the Resurrection Sunday, it's uh, Jesus became uh, that reality of the risen Savior. And uh, Pentecost, for those of you who may be aware, some of you may not be aware, perhaps you're, you're new to these kind of Bible study th- sort of things, but somebody may be sitting there thinking, well, what, what, is, what is Pentecost Sunday? Well, literally, it's founded on the Jewish feast day that is 50 days following Passover. So that's the word Pentecost comes from, is 50 days. It's 50 days after Passover, and of course, Passover and Easter uh, usually coincide with others, uh, with each other throughout our, our calendar that, that, that we have in, in America today. Uh, but so the, the, the word 50, it's 50 days. It's really the first fruits. It's a celebration of the first fruits. And I don't have time to go in the details of what all that means in terms of Bible prophecy, uh, the, the background of the Jewish festivals and how those pointed to the things in the New Testament. But to suffice it to say that that's what Pentecost really is. Now to some people, uh, when, when, I think of, when we think of being Pentecostals, and my title this morning, if you haven't seen it up here already, I don't know if it's been up there, perhaps, but Pentecostals in pursuit of God. That's what I'm talking about this morning, being Pentecostal in pursuit of God. And I want to turn to Book of Acts. This is the logical place on Pentecost Sunday uh, to read to you. And uh, so Acts chapter 2, and if you wouldn't mind standing, you stood a little bit, but we just have you stand for just another minute here, just in deference to the Word of God. Reading from the New International Version, it says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, when suddenly the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Father, I thank you for this privilege today of standing before this wonderful congregation of believers here in Erie, Pennsylvania. And I pray, O Lord, that as we share these words from your word, that your Holy Spirit would indeed take root within us and create a hunger, a greater hunger than ever before for more of you, Jesus. And we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, if you don't have your head in, in, entombed under a rock someplace, you are aware of the terrorist attacks that have been going, going on, those, those kinds of pieces in our world recently. And I think it's important for us to allow those kinds of things to remind us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers and high places. And it's not through the arm of flesh that we will conquer any of the foes that are around us, but it is indeed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when, when we look at these things, the Holy Spirit hasn't been dormant. He hasn't been set aside. Uh, he has been active and at work very much in our lives, in your life, in our world today. And the reality of that goes through generations. I, I have to take it just a moment here, if you will uh, indulge me the, the opportunity, uh, because this kind of takes us being here today with you in Erie, takes us back a few years. Uh, in fact, the very first place we had a formal uh, institutional ministry was right here in Erie, Pennsylvania. I just have to ask you this question. How many of you remember 32nd and Liberty? 
Oh, there's a few of you who do. Uh, we were the first official youth pastors for this church in 1973. Now, I know I don't look like I'm nearly old enough to be in ministry. <laughs> yeah, I'm joking with you again. I know the gray hair is popping out and so forth, but uh, uh, this, this church had a huge influence on Margie and I. Uh, our son, Jason, some of you, the, those in ministry may, may know Jason. He pastors one of our, our churches just south of Harrisburg about an hour now. But uh, he was, what was he, six weeks old? He was three weeks old when we first came here. And, uh, you know, we, we raised him uh, first year or so of his life here. And uh, we, we just feel a great debt of uh, gratitude for you as a congregation. And watching you through the years and knowing what God has done through the years has been an amazing thing. And, uh, and certainly we are grateful for this. It, it's really a weird thing. Let me just say it this way. It's really a weird thing to come back to the church where we first started in full-time ministry and come back as your district superintendent. That's an amazing thing. Uh, yeah, thank you. What God has been doing throughout this district and throughout this world really is absolutely amazing. We now have, as, as a district, all of Pennsylvania and Delaware is what comprises our district. We have 434 churches that uh, we, we oversee and we work with, the pastors of the churches, the ministers, lay people as well in any way we can help to assist and so forth. But one of the things we've discovered through the years, and it's nothing new, but we sometimes have to discover these things, that, that it is not about our gifts or our abilities, but it's about what the Spirit of God is doing today. And what God is doing today is a marvelous thing. It's so exciting because we have seen so much growth and so many new people come to Jesus Christ. The, the diversity of our fellowship. There was a time when the Assemblies of God was predominantly white people, you know, Anglos. Uh, today, across the board, over 40% of Assemblies of God people are non-Anglo. Now, that, that may not be, yeah, thank God. It's amazing how the diversity, and I think the reason for that, I don't think so, I know, the reason for that is because what the Spirit of God is doing in the world today is incredible as he crosses barriers and he crosses boundaries that, that sometimes in human endeavors or humanly the way we think about things to put people in boxes, those boxes are being removed. Why? Because God is a God that through Pentecost is restoring the unity of all people and especially of the church of Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing today in a great and a powerful way. And so this morning as I share with you about Pentecost, and I, I have to be careful of my time, so just forgive me if I don't get all the nuances in here uh, that probably need an explanation uh, for, for you, but I'm, I'm going to try to get to some major things that I think, I, I hope, will encourage your heart. And I hope, I pray, this has been my prayer for you, that uh, you would come away from here today with a greater hunger than ever before for more of Jesus and more of the working of the Holy Spirit within your life. As uh, I was, we have been talking over the last couple of weeks, and I, I didn't know kind of the, the alignment series that you were doing. I didn't know about prayer, but uh, putting, putting together this together was a, a little unique in how I felt like I wanted to, to share this with you, David. It's been perfect alignment with what you have uh, been doing recently. And, and so this morning, as, as I share these, these things with you, uh, I trust that it will be a source of encouragement uh, to you personally in your life. Um, to some people, when they think about Pentecost and Pentecostals, 
their first thought is probably what? What would it be for you? Just a couple people kind of shout out what, what it is that first comes to your mind when you think about Pentecostal. Speaking in tongues, right? What else? Anything else? Being a holy roller. Boy, praise God, we are holy rollers. I don't have time to tell you my stories on those things. Any other things that come to mind? Being loud? <laughs> we do get exuberant, don't we? We get excited, amen, amen. Anybody else? Being radical, what was this? Raising your hands, yeah, all those things. And there's all the gifts of this Holy Spirit, right? Tongues, interpretation of tongues, gifts of healing, prophecy, all, all those kind of things become, uh, have become the predominant thing that kind of focuses what a Pentecostal is. But you know, the reality is that there are many of the evangelical circles that are becoming more and more Pentecostal without calling themselves Pentecostals. I mean, it's true. You go to any evangelical, any live church today, you'll find very similar kind of worship, sometimes even the worship music that we use, that they use, and so forth, and, and the reality of those things across the board, because when the Spirit of God is at work in people's lives, it doesn't just impact their mind. It impacts every part of who they are their heart, their mind, their body, uh, their, their will and their emotions and all of those things, when God grips someone, it's a comprehensive attachment that he makes uh, to us. So this morning I wanna just talk for a couple of minutes of, of this alignment, the things that I have discovered and put this together in the way I think about what it means to be Pentecostal, okay? So it, it goes deeper and it goes broader than just the tongues, interpretation of tongues and miracles and signs and wonders, although it includes all of that, but I think of it in this way, and that there are four issues that I wanna just talk about. First of all, is if you're a Pentecostal, you are fundamentally primitivistic. Everybody use that word with me, come on. Primitivistic. Have you used that word lately? Probably not. I may have even concocted it myself. I don't know if it's in the dictionary, but it just seems to me to epitomize what a Pentecostal really is. We're primitivistic. Now, what, what do I mean by that? I mean we believe in the primitive gospel. It, it goes back to these things that sometimes people have asked me as a pastor, well, what, what do you believe? And if somebody said, God, what do you believe? As a person, individually, what do you believe? And this is what I believe. Whatever happened in the Bible can happen today. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the reality of whatever happened in the Bible can happen today. There's not these segments of, of time frames where God restricts himself and says, I can do that there, but I can't do it now. It, it just doesn't happen that way. God is the God who never changes, and that's why he is immutable. He's unchangeable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's, and that's why we embrace this primitivistic way of thinking about things. So, so the Bible is our source. It's our foundation. It's what we believe. And if it happened in the Bible, it can happen today. Uh, sometimes today we have heard that expression that we, we go back to the future. Now, I'm not talking about a movie now. <laughs> okay. uh, a few years ago, there was a movie of, the, of that, that name. But it, it, it kind of describes what we believe. It's like if we're going to move into the future We've gotta go back to what God has done and see him restore those things which he has had in our lives in the church of Jesus Christ historically 
And see, so in, in 1914, when the Assemblies of God was founded, it was the result of a movement of the Holy Spirit around the turn of the 19th century, where the Holy Spirit was poured out once again. You've heard of the Azusa Street Revival. You've heard of William Seymour, some of those great people that uh, have really were formative uh, about this Pentecostal movement that has spread across the face of the earth. Uh, some of the, the, the historians, in fact, one of the professors at Penn State University and State College, Pennsylvania, wrote a book a few years ago uh, stating the fact that the, the movement of Pentecostalism has been the single greatest societal movement in the history of the world. When you think about that, there were basically few, if any, Pentecostals in the year 1900. And today, a little over 100 years later, there are over a half a billion people that are practicing Pentecostals. And it's a movement that is sweeping this globe in an unprecedented way. Our fellowship in particular, the Assemblies of God, was started in 1914. We started with about 314 people, something like that, in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Today, around the world, there are over 67 million Assemblies of God people like us worshiping together on any given Sunday morning. That's an incredible thing what God has done in a short period of time. That's a, that's a move of the Spirit of God. Why, why, is, why has that happened? It's not because we're smarter or better looking or more talented. It's none of those. It's because of what the Spirit of God is doing. And we believe in that primitive gospel. We believe in the foundational stuff of what it means to be a Christian. You, you, to be a Christian, you literally have to believe in miracles. I mean, you do. You can't be born again. <laughs> you can't become a Christian and that's, I'm not talking about somebody who's a church member. You know what I'm saying. You, but you cannot be born again without a miracle of God. It's by definition a miraculous event. And if you can believe in the new birth, if you can believe that you're born again, why can't you believe in divine healing? Why can't you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues? Why can't you believe in, in some kind of financial miracle that God does in your behalf or putting your marriage back together or whatever other kind of miracle you need. Why? Why do we believe that? Because we're primitive kind of people. We're primitive. We are primitivistic. I, I love the expression of it myself. So that's, that's one piece of it. And I want you to notice what, what that part of who we are as Pentecostals is all focused toward God. It's all focused toward him. And, and you're gonna see this in just a moment, my little uh, diagram that, that, that you'll see. So it, it points upward, it points toward God, the, the supernatural, the, the work of the spirit, God involved in who we are and what we do. That, that's the first thing that I think of when I think of uh, us as Pentecostals, and probably the dominant thing. The, the second piece that I like to talk about is that we are pragmatic. <laughs> we are just down to earth people. We are very practical in our orientation. You know, in, in the Assemblies of God, and this has been true uh, at least in my lifetime and perhaps beforehand, you know, if the Baptists come up with a good idea of Sunday school, we claim it. <laughs> you know, we use Sunday school. You know, if, if somebody comes up with a better idea of discipleship, home fellowship groups, we grab it. We say, it works. Why, why, why do it? You, can, you, can, you know you can prove about anything by the Bible anyway, you know, anytime. <laughs> and, and so the, these things, are, if they're biblically based, we say, you know, that's a good idea. It's practical. It works. Why, why do we use sound systems and, and uh, you know, the equalizers and all the different graphic design kind of stuff? It's not because we're primitivistic. It's because we're pragmatic. 
It's stuff that works. It's, it's tools that we need and that we embrace, and uh, we, we kind of enjoy the stuff. Now, that's, that, that's just who we are. We're pragmatic. You know? We've, uh, we'll, we'll adopt a song. doesn't matter where, who's, uh, who creates it. It doesn't matter who sings it or who's produced it. If it relates to who we are and expresses the, the passion of our heart, we say, yeah, that's good stuff. We'll use that Sunday morning, Right? We're so practical. We don't have to have everything. It has to be consistent with the Word of God, but it doesn't have to just be a quotation from the Word of God. Do you know what I'm saying? We're a pragmatic people. We're very practical. Uh, that's, that has served us well, quite frankly. And in, in a world that we live in, most people, if it doesn't work, they're going to say, it doesn't work. <laughs> and for us, if God's in it, it's going to work. It's just that's the way it is. Now, we always have to, on the other hand, we have to frame that a little bit because God's timing is not always our timing, right? So we, we trust him even when we can't see, even when we don't understand, even when it doesn't work, we have to go beyond faith, excuse me, we have to go beyond logic and walk in faith. I don't know if you've heard that, exp- I, I, I love that, that kind of, discussion we had recently, some of us, it's, uh, you know, when, when faith and works are walking together, at some point your works, at some point your logic stops. And that's where faith comes in and keeps walking. Why? Because we believe in the power of God. So we're very practical. You know, we, we had an expression when I was growing up as, as a kid, and, and it was that uh, some people are so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. That kind of describes that tension. On the one hand, we, we want to be heavenly minded. We want to be primitive in our faith and, and the reality of those basic things of what makes us Christians. But at the same time, we need to be practical. We need to have our feet firmly planted on terra firma. We need, we need to be sure that what we're doing is just not pie in the sky by and by. Right? And so, but we couple those things together, the primitive, the the supernatural, we couple that with the practical, the pragmatic, and we say, if God is doing something, let's embrace what God's doing. Let's be careful that it's grounded in Scripture, but let's embrace what God is doing. Well, that's the uh, the heaven toward the earth kind of a thing. It's it's, uh, the, the, uh, the coupling, I like to call it, between the supernatural and the natural. On the other hand, we have this, uh, uh, this, this horizontal expression of it too, because not only are we primitivistic and are we practical, but we're also engaged. We, we believe that we need to be engaged in what God is doing. Otherwise, we, we, it's partly, partly the practical, but it's engagement with what God wants to do. So we, we trust in God, but at the same time, we put feet to our action. Now, just a little bit of a history lesson here for you, and most of you are probably familiar with it, but in the early days of the Pentecostal movement, the reality was that much of that was a reaction against what was called the social gospel. So the church at large, evangelical circles in Christianity at large in the 1900s, early 1900s, late 1800s, the, the social gospel people were just all about feeding the poor, doing social work, or those kind of things, to the total neglect, basically to the total neglect neglect of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Salvation is what we're talking about here. 
And so our, our whole movement was really largely a reaction to some of the rejection that the, those, the church at large in those years responded against the good news of Jesus Christ as salvation by faith, etc. And they, they went the other way, so they really largely, I would say, rejected the whole social gospel movement. Well, what's happened in the last 40 years, at least I would say this way, is we as a movement have been coming back toward more of a holistic understanding of what the gospel is about. It's not only, although it's primarily, about preaching the gospel and people being saved from their sins, but it's also about recognizing the human need that people have. And how do you preach the gospel, the good news of salvation, to a person who has an empty stomach? It's, it's that kind. So we, we understand that we've got to be engaged in the process of what God is doing. Does that make sense? I'm looking at my wife to see if uh, I've, I've said that correctly or not. She's my, she's my barometer over here. So, so far, so far, so good. So in, engagement is on the one side. The other side of that horizontal level is what I like to call vulnerability. We leave ourselves vulnerable. When, when we are trusting in God, we are walking in faith, there's an aspect of who we are that becomes very vulnerable, being misunderstood, being criticized. You know what one of the comments before was uh, swinging from the chandeliers, holy rollers, you know? I, I can't tell you, there's very few of our churches who have chandeliers anymore, you know, it's just, uh, and if they are, you would never swing from them. I mean, that's what's over my dining room table, you know, I just, you, you just don't swing. But, but we had that kind of, I'll, I'll never forget as a kid uh, on, the, on the school bus, you know, the worst place in all of a student's history is a school bus. That's, that's the worst. If you have kids that ride the school bus, pray for them often, take them to school if you can. It, it's just the worst. But I, I will never forget, there was a conversation that was going on on the bus that day, and they were talking about holy rollers. And somebody along the line heard that I was Pentecostal, I guess. They say, are you one of those holy rollers? And I had to make a quick decision. What's going to be my response to this? And I, I was probably about 11 or 12 years of age, something like that time, and I straightened my shoulders back and held my head up as far as I could. I said, yeah, what about it? Now, that was my first attempt at witnessing. <laughs> Sounds pretty effective, don't you think? <laughs> well, in those days, I was, uh, well, at 11, I don't know what I was, probably a 75-pound weakling rather than a 110-pound uh, weakling, but I was a weakling for sure. But, but I, 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 I tried to give it all I had to stand up for what I believed in, in that context. You know, because we, we are different. We are different. We don't think the way the world thinks. We don't perceive life as simply that which we can see with a natural eye. We look around us and we try with all of our hearts, although we get caught up in the natural too like everybody else does, but, but fundamentally we, we, we understand that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We understand that there's a principality, a power out there that we have to fight against on our knees. And sometimes we are misunderstood as a result of that. Uh, sometimes we are looked at as, as, uh, as being not, not only as Pentecostals, but as, as believers, as followers of Jesus. When, when you talk about suffering for your faith in this world, it's just like, why would you do that? You, know, you, you should compromise with what you believe so that people aren't upset with you. That, that's not Bible, friends. That's not scriptural. 
but, but it leaves us vulnerable. That's, that's a difficult thing for us sometimes to kind of deal with is that vulnerability. So, so when you're looking at these four different parts of who we are, the primitivistic, being pragmatic, being vulnerable, and being engaged, those, those uh, four different points. Do we have those out? There you go. So you can see my, my little diagram that, that you have. And uh, so the primitivistic points toward God, the practical uh, has to do, the, the pragmatic, being engaged, really involved with things, and being vulnerable on the other hand. Now, now here's, here's the thing I, I think needs to be pointed out when we're thinking about these four areas. If you go to the extreme on any one of these four points, you become, I'll use the word, it's pretty strong, but I'm gonna use it, you become heretical. Okay, so if, if you go to the point of the primitivistic, to the point where you're not, you don't have your feet on the ground, you know what I'm saying? Then you are, you have come to that place where you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Because God wants us, though we are in the world, we are not of the world. But we are in the world. That makes sense? Okay. Uh, same thing with the, the engagement aspect com, com, as compared to uh, being vulnerable. So, so when, when you have these things, you, you have to think about all four in their, in their proper balance. And that's, that's where the alignment comes in. I, I don't know, I, I didn't listen to all your messages. Uh, actually, I only listened to one of them. Sorry about that. But uh, uh, anyway, when I, when I think about alignment, if you can picture it this way, that, uh, and maybe some of you are airline pilots, I, I don't know, I've never had the privilege of flying a plane. You certainly would not want me to be at the controls <laughs> when that happens. But uh, I, I've been able to, to sit at a cockpit in, uh, in a, one of those demonstration models sort of thing and, and be aware of, you have the horizon uh, it, in front of you on, on your radar screen, right? You can picture that in your mind. And uh, the, when, when the pilot is going in for a landing, he doesn't want to go in too straight because he'll crash, obviously. You know? so, so you have to keep the, the nose of the plane just in the right trajectory so you come in at an even pace, etc. cetera. Uh, so you, you don't want to come in too short because you'll crash. You, on the other hand, you don't want your, the nose to be kept above the horizon because you'll never land that way. You know, that, that's just not going to happen. So when, when it comes to the primitivistic and the practical, the pragmatic, that, that's the way that is. It's the right balance between the two to home in there so we can land this plane correctly, if you would. Uh, on the other hand, being engaged compared to being vulnerable about things, that you're gonna switch off, move to the left, move to the right. So we, we need that alignment in these four particular areas so that as Pentecostals, we don't go haywire and get goofy with who we are. Now, I've been around long enough, and many of you have too, where you have all kinds of goofy things that also happen in Pentecostal circles. Have you, anybody know what I'm saying? Right? All right, just, I don't want to go in a lot of details or, or illustrations, but I've got plenty of them. You know, it's, uh, we had, just one to give you an example. We had a, it was really a sad situation because one of the men of our church, this goes back quite a number of years ago, and his mother passed away. And he, he was so impassioned with the loss of his mom. He didn't know what to do. So I, I was there at the hospital. Uh, Pastor Nicole, I don't know if you'll ever have this experience or not, but, but he said to me, Pastor, doesn't the Bible talk about how that the prophet of old got up on top of the person who was dead and breathed life back into him? I said, uh, I knew where this was going, you know. I said, yeah, that's, that's scriptural. Well, w would you do that for my mother? <laughs> 
you know what, what do you do in situations like that? I mean, is it possible? I suppose, you know, because it happened once in the Bible, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen every time. But uh, anyway, I was able to escape that and not. <laughs> but, you know, it's, there, there are goofy things that sometimes happen out of our humanity and our need and the struggle that we face. But, you know, it's, it's that balance. It's being properly aligned that makes all the difference as we move forward in the things of the Spirit of God. If you neglect some of these pieces, if, if you neglect, neglect the supernatural, you have, have really, and I don't want to go too extreme with this because there are some people uh, who do not believe in gift of the tongues, gifts of the Spirit. I, I don't want to say they're heretical. I don't mean that. But, but, the, but they have given up. They have lost the privilege of being engaged in one of the most amazing privileges that a human being can have. And I, I, I will tell you, anytime the supernatural interacts with the natural, there will be misunderstandings. There will be things that'll happen. Uh, you know, so, some people think that, uh, that if, you're, if you're really empowered by the Spirit, that you'll go down into the power. You know, you'll fall over backwards or, or whatever else. You know, well, somebody says, well, how do you prove that from Scripture? How, how do you prove that that's legitimate from Scripture? And I, I would just simply say, there's a couple examples in the Bible, but, but bottom line is this. You know, sometimes when the Spirit of God interacts with our humanity, we respond in different ways. And what, what you don't want to do is make any of the responses that we may have as the biblical norm for what God wants to do for everybody else unless it's the norm in Scripture. And, and the gift of tongues is the example of what's normative in the New Testament for the initial physical evidence. That's, that's why we hold to that. Uh, it's not that, that tongues, some people have asked me, uh, and I think I said this at district council, that uh, some people have asked me, do you have to speak in tongues to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I don't know what your answer would be if, if you were to be asked that question. But I usually respond this, to, this, to it this way. Uh, I'm sorry, but you've asked the wrong question. You ask, do I have to be speaking in tongues to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? It's the wrong question. The right question is, do I get to speak in tongues when I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because you see, if we say you have to speak in tongues, now it's not a gift. It's something you have to do. But it's not, it, it's not something you have. It's, it's what we have to cooperate. We have to receive it. But it's not something we do as an act of service or control or any of those things. It is simply the gift of the Spirit that he provides, to, that he gives to us. I've, uh, I've been in many prayer services and, and through the years and had the privilege of, of praying with, uh, with many people. And, and sometimes we give expression about the Holy Spirit as, uh, as an it, you know, like the Holy Spirit is some kind of inanimate object or whatever. But the Holy Spirit is one of the three persons of the Godhead. I, if you'll pardon the, uh, the, the current tenor of societal um, language evolution, if I can put it that way, that uh, he, I, I never think of the Holy Spirit as a she, and it's, he's not an it, so I don't know what else to say, but the Holy Spirit is a, is a he. I'm not saying it's not a she. I, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> you, you get my struggle with what I'm trying to express here? All right, just realities of the world we live in today. But the Holy Spirit is a person. 
and we, we don't want to quench the Spirit. We don't want to offend the Holy Spirit. But at, at the same time, in, in Pentecostal circles, we, we embrace the reality of the Spirit's work within our lives. But notice this, please. In Scripture, it's not about the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy, what did the Holy Spirit come to do? The Holy Spirit came to glorify Jesus. If you go back to my, my chart there, once again, we have the center of that diagram. I'm gonna get there in a second, there you go. What, what do we have in the center? Jesus, Jesus. When the Holy Spirit is at work, he's gonna glorify Jesus. It, see, as, as Pentecostals, we, we know that. There are some times, and this is where you get the trajectory off, and it's, it's not aligned correctly, where the Holy Spirit becomes the object of the whole thing. No, it's, that, that's not the way. We believe in the work of the Spirit and that he's at work, but what does the Holy Spirit come to do? He comes to glorify Jesus. He comes to honor him. And remember this, there is no preacher that can baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Why is that true? Because Jesus himself is the baptizer. Jesus himself. You see, when, when you, and you can look, I'm not gonna try to prove all these things from scripture, but your pastor will help you out and other people in your, your fellowship here if you, if you need those biblical references. But, but the reality of what the Holy Spirit does is to point us to Jesus, to, to honor and to glorify the Son, and he will lead us into all truth. He is the one who will lead us into all truth. So, so this morning, as, as we think about Pentecostals in pursuit of God, you know, it's, it's not about, okay, Holy Spirit, where are you? No, it's, it's Jesus, I want to know you more. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me more. Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, I want to have more of you in my life. I want to be filled with your goodness. You see, as in the scripture, you, you hear different expressions, and one of them is being filled with the Spirit as compared to being, be, be walking in the Spirit. And sometimes, it's just amazing to me how sometimes people pit those two different concepts against each other. And they shouldn't be pitted against one another. They, they are to walk hand in hand with each other. Because as a Pentecostal, I, I want to simply be walking in step with the Spirit of God. And that's not a hard thing to do. There, there's, there's things about Christianity, and there's things about being Pentecostal that are mystical. There's things that are, are sometimes unfathomable in the, the human mind or human thinking process. But I, I would remind you that when Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, it's coming out King James Version here so far, uh, but uh, you notice that it always does for me. But uh, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I'm, I'm always interested to, to, to point out to people, when Jesus made that statement, what did he start with? That love the Lord your God, he didn't start with your mind, did he? With your heart. It's interesting, because we typically have to figure it all out. At least I'm built that way. I gotta figure it out. I gotta get my A's and my B's and my C's in process so that, that I can come out to the right conclusion to the formula. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are like that, right? But Jesus didn't start with the mind. He didn't neglect the mind. He didn't say, set your mind on a shelf someplace and then come back after you experience. No, he didn't say, but he didn't start with the mind. He started with the heart. The heart is the seat of the emotions. 
It, it's all about the way we feel. It's about our experience. It's about a, our emotional makeup. And, and the reality for most of us who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, with the gift of tongues in particular, is the reality of the experience of that. And I, I, I will just tell you another one of those old expressions is it's better felt than telt. You know, I, I can stand up here all morning and talk to you about it, what it feels like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's not going to be the same as the experience that I had when as a 12-year-old boy, I was at an altar, and there was a friend of mine, his name was Ronnie. Ronnie and Steve were over in this part of the church, and we were praying. He'd pray in the Spirit for a while, and I'd pray in the Spirit, and we'd go back and forth. I mean, there was a couple of hours that, uh, at 12 years old, these two boys and our parents were in the back of the church waiting for our their kids to get out from under the spout where the glory comes out, you know. <laughs> but the reality of that experience has stayed with me my entire life. And it wasn't because I figured it all out. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of figuring things out in the meantime. But it wasn't because I figured, it wasn't because it started with my, it, it, it was because in my spirit, in my heart, I wanted more of Jesus. I wanted to know him more. And I, I will just tell you that wherever you are in life, because I've, I've had the privilege of, of seeing people from children all the way up to uh, people in their 70s and 80s come to know Jesus for the first time. And when there's an experience, you know, it, it's one thing to figure it out with your mind. And I, I'm focusing a bit on the mind probably because that's kind of where I normally am. Uh, I, I like it logical. I like things symptomatic, uh, not symptomatic. <laughs> What's the right word I'm looking for here? Logical progression, in other words. But the realities of when you have an experience with God, it changes everything. It changes everything. Uh, we, we have a good friend. Uh, his name is Christopher Alam. Uh, he's an evangelist, goes around the world, and uh, just just amazing uh, man that God uses worldwide for salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, divine healing, you, you name it, just, just amazing. But, but he came to Christ as a Muslim when he was 17 years old. And the experience he had with Jesus transferred him from where his mindset was being raised in a Muslim home to the place where all these years later, he still proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't because he had it all figured out in his head, but it was because he had an experience with Jesus. And I want to simply leave that with you today and encourage you to know more about Jesus. Because when you have an experience with Jesus, life will never be the same. You may be here today, and I'm going to ask Pastor Nicole to come up in just a moment. I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord or, you know, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, had the gift of tongues and other, other kind of gifts of the Spirit that, that he gives to his people. But I'm really more interested primarily in saying to you, I need more of Jesus. All these years, from the time I was six years of age to my age now, and if you have to know, that's been 60 years. <laughs> There's something about being in the presence of Jesus. It's like nothing else. 
And it's because he is that whole fulfillment of what it means to be connected with Almighty God. And, and today, as, as we are just in this moment, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, and I have no problem with the way we stand for worship and all those kind of things. That, that's fine. But I, I would just note to you that in the book of Acts, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But you'll just notice in verse 2, it's in the house where they were sitting. <laughs> You know, you don't have to be in one position or another position. You don't have to be standing. You don't have to be sitting. You don't have to be kneeling at the altar. You may be driving down the road in your car and you're thinking about Jesus and uh, all of a sudden something comes on you. I hope the Holy Spirit gives you the good wisdom to pull over to the side when that happens. But it's, it's amazing. It's, it's one of those things. It's, it's not you can, something that you can make happen. We try to encourage one another in this, certainly. But it's the gift that the Spirit of God, that Almighty God comes and he gives to us. So that's, that's what Pentecost Sunday is all about. It's not just about another feast day. It's about the first fruits of us giving ourselves to him. And so, Pastor Nicole, if you'd come, I'd just like to pray for you here before I turn it back to her. Maybe, maybe tonight, maybe this morning, maybe, I, I don't know when, but just seek more of Jesus. Dear Lord, I thank you today for your amazing grace, your love to each of us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal more and more of Jesus to each of us. As individuals and as a church, as a body of believers, I pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to move among us and do things that are beyond our comprehension or beyond our ability. But Lord, that are so consistent with everything about who you are. So be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you, would you stand? Um, I have that same sense that you have, Brother Torville, that Jesus is just saying um, he has more. He has more for us. He has more for you. Maybe that means uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit if you've never experienced that. Maybe that just means healing or joy or peace or freedom. Um, in the scripture in John 16, uh, Jesus is explaining that when he goes away, the advocate is going to come, which is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And so um, we've got, you know, lunch cooking in the gym, but I feel like before we leave today, I just want to, I asked some, um, the intercessor team and some of the council members if they would come so you guys can come now and just sort of be available um, for some prayer. And um, if you need to, to slip out, I understand. I know it's we're getting a little bit uh, late here at the end, but I really want to take some time um, to just 
give us the opportunity to ask for more of who Jesus is, to ask more of him in our life. And uh, these people here would love to pray with you for whatever it is that you want to ask more of. Maybe it's just Jesus. I just need more of you. And I don't even know what that looks like or what it feels like. And so I'm going to pray right now. And then I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and come down. And uh, they're not going to not going to be weird. We're not going to hang from the chandelier. We're not going to do anything goofy. They're just going to pray for you for more of Jesus and let God have his way and do his thing. And then um, I, I, we won't have a formal dismissal, but if you want to make your way down to lunch, we'd love to have you. Don't forget to come back for worship night tonight. But I'm going to pray, and this will be kind of our, our formal end. But please don't leave if you even feel any prompting from the Holy Spirit. Um, it is the most important thing to pay attention to what God is doing. And he says he wants more for us. And we want all that he has to give. So let's just pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, God, that you have said in your word that you have much more to say and you have sent the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth that will speak to us, not just what he hears, but what you have told him that we need to understand. And I pray, Lord God, that we would give you all the glory and we pray for more of you today, not in any, um, not, not in any way that, that's mystical or goofy or sensational, God, but in a way that's real, in a way that allows us to understand deeper and fuller who you are, and in a way that enables us with the power that we need to live a life on earth that honors you in every way. And Jesus, it's in your name we pray.